Amen. Amen. So today's topic is fasting. Now, throughout the Bible, there's uh, multiple forms of fasting mentioned. Um, For example, if you're reading in the book of Isaiah, you may encounter acts of mercy, which are listed as um, God saying the ways in which he wants us to fast. An example of that would be um, helping the homeless or or giving money or your talents to the poor, those less fortunate to you, um, offering acts of mercy. And those things are necessary. God asks them of us. Um, but today, in this topic, I want to focus on maybe what we think of in the more traditional sense, fasting from food and, and drink. And all throughout the history of God's people, going from ancient Israel and then transitioning from the the time of Jesus and then to early and modern Christianity, fasting has always been present. And it's really been um, almost taken for granted because it was so commonly used and seen so important and so necessary. But unfortunately, I think today, uh, a lot of us have, have lost that. And fasting has almost become like this this lost art, so to speak. So in a moment, I want to share a, a personal experience of how I kind of uh, stumbled upon a spiritual truth in fasting. And then later, through the Word of God, uh, confirmed uh, how necessary it is and how helpful it is for us. Uh, but before we do that, let us pray. Dear God, thank you so much for today, Lord. I ask of you that you help clarify our vision, Lord. That we don't focus on the things of this world. We don't focus on the things of the flesh. But that we desire you. We desire your Holy Spirit, Lord. And that our vision will line up with your vision, Lord. We love you. Amen. So, uh, first I'm going to read quickly from Romans 8, and I'm going to skip around a little bit in it, um, and then I want to share a personal experience with you. So, Romans 8 makes so clearly the difference, the contrast between the flesh and the spirit. And anytime the word flesh is used, you know, you can just think about uh, worldly desires, passions, lust, greed, any of that is kind of uh, codified in the term flesh. Okay, so I'll start reading. Uh, Here, Romans 8, verse 5. Those walking according to the flesh tend towards what belongs to the flesh. Those led by the Spirit to what is spirit. Flesh tends towards death, while spirit aims at life and peace. What the flesh plans is against God. It does not agree. It cannot even agree with the law of God. So, those walking according to the flesh cannot please God. I'll just pause there for a moment. Uh, That is extremely strong, strong wording from the Apostle Paul. Those walking according to the flesh cannot please God. Now, I think on a basic level, all of us would say, I desire to please God. And, you know, hopefully that's uh, very true. But here's a clear-cut fork in the road. If you're walking according to the flesh, and that that takes uh, multiple different heads, right? Whether it's greed or lust or seeking the affection of others or a desire for more possessions, materialism, whatever the case, in doing that, 
you therefore negate the possibility of pleasing God. And so I'll skip ahead a little bit in the chapter as uh, Paul continues. He says, Then, brothers, let us leave the flesh and no longer live according to it. If not, we will die. Rather, walking in the Spirit, let us put to death the body's deeds so that we may live. It is those walking in the Spirit of God who are children of God. So here Paul makes it really clear that um, there's no middle ground. Uh, there's no doing a little bit of both. right? If we desire a true relationship with our Lord and Savior, then we cannot also wish to be highly esteemed um, among our friends in our workplace, at school, Um, We cannot also have a a great desire to make more money or move up in our job. Our sole focus, sole focus has to be God and His will. So fasting helps us clarify God's vision. Not clarify our vision, but clarify God's vision for us, right? In a sense, opening our eyes, not to what we want, but what, what the Lord wants for us. Uh, fasting also helps us purify us spiritually. Because fasting is such a good way to detach from the flesh and attach or go deeper spiritually. Um, now, I'm just going to share a quick personal experience. Uh, like I said, this is really before I had, um, I'll say, much biblical understanding of all the values of fasting you know um, just being raised in a really good christian home um, i think i had a basic understanding but in short it was about this time last year and uh, i just desperately needed an answer from god for uh, a big problem in my life and so i prayed and i prayed and i prayed and um, i felt strongly compelled by the lord to fast and I didn't know I didn't know what that meant really, and so I said, okay, I'm just going to um, abstain from food and uh, eat as as little as possible, only drink water. That part was especially hard because of how much I love coffee, but uh, that's just really where it began. And then I just basically said, okay, Holy Spirit, I don't really know what I'm doing, so you got to go ahead and lead me. Um, and here's a couple things that I uncovered through this experience. Um, number one, I was staying up pretty late at night uh, reading the Bible and praying. So I was probably only sleeping, let's say, four hours a night. And I would wake up at about 5.50 um, every day to drive to work. And you know, I was working outside. It was about, well, you know, it's uh, Texas in the summer, so 90 plus, maybe 100 degrees. And so... For multiple days, I didn't have uh, much at all to eat and was just basically uh, going on water. And if I was to tell myself that beforehand, I would think, man, that's really dumb. You're going to get sick. You're going to pass out. You're going to faint. But what I uncovered was the Holy Spirit provided and took care of me in, in a physical sense, obviously also in a spiritual, but in a physical sense that I would have never expected or have known without the experience. Um, on a few hours of sleep, I was never tired. I actually woke up without drinking my normal coffee, uh, full of energy. Um, after working in the heat, uh, usually I would work out. 
and then um, and then go home. And I was never fatigued. So the first thing I learned was how the Lord, the Lord is constantly providing. And um, when we pursue him and pursue his Holy Spirit, he's not going to abandon us. Um, not that he ever does, but, but especially in this sense, think about um, how the Lord provides for the Israelites when they were wandering around in the desert. Okay, he provided them the bread from heaven. Or think about Elijah, and we'll speak more about him in a minute, when, when he was um, fleeing in the desert from King Ahab and, and Jezebel, the Lord provided him with bread in the desert. So the first thing is this, when we fast, there's this uh, probably this real fear of, well, I need to have my coffee. Uh, I'm going to get a headache. Um, I love my food too much. Okay, but you have to at some point say, do I trust God that he will provide me, provide for me, yes or no? And that can be a scary first step, but I'll go ahead and already give you the answer. The answer is yes, the Lord will provide for you. Um, and that's the first thing that, that I learned from from that experience. Um, the second thing is that I learned was some of the daily temptations that I faced to sin, whether that be in thought or in action, I don't want to say we're non-existent, but uh, almost to that extent, the temptation so greatly lessened. Now, also in a second, we'll talk about how Satan will do his best to attack us during times of fasting to get us stop doing that because he knows it's a spiritual weapon. Um, but that was the second thing that I took away from it is there was not a, a common desire to enter into any type of sin because what we're doing is taking ourselves away from the physical flesh and entering greater into God's trust and entering into um, the Lord's heart spiritually. And that is always a place where the Lord will provide for us and take care of us physically and spiritually. So uh, towards the end of this talk, we'll, we'll hit on some of the common fears that you may have, but um, just know the Lord will always provide for you um, in a physical sense and also in a spiritual sense. Now, real quick, if you're not familiar with the history of fasting, um, it was really common all throughout Judaism, okay, think of the ancient Israelites, um, that they would fast two days a week, and it would be Tuesday and Thursday. Um, but then just like the Jews observe their sa uh, the Sabbath on a Saturday, when Christianity starts after the death and resurrection of Jesus, the Sabbath gets shifted to Sunday. Well, in a similar sense, uh, Christians also shift the fasting days to Wednesday and Friday. So you could look at the Acts of the Apostles and um, constantly throughout the book, the first apostles are fasting. Um, but those two days are important, we'll, and we'll touch on that at the end. But uh, this, the days of fasting get shifted to Wednesday and Friday. Um, one unique uh, reason for that is because uh, Friday, the day of the Lord, uh, his crucifixion, um, and then Thursday where is not a day of fasting because that's the Last Supper, so we're always invited to enter into the Lord's Supper. Um, now, let us look at Jesus' example and then his words on fasting because I think these two things, like anything Jesus provides us with, are just so telling. Um, the first is his example. So Jesus, 
goes into the desert. He's led by the Holy Spirit into the desert for 40 days. Now, this should sound similar to Moses because, um, you know, Jesus, in a biblical sense, is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, like a new Moses typology. Okay, so he goes into the desert for 40 days, and he does not eat, and he does not drink. Now, why is Jesus in the desert? Okay, he was preparing for his mission, right? After he leaves the desert, he's about to begin on mission. And in a similar sense, fasting does that uh, for us as well. When we, when we detach from the flesh, fasting helps us prepare for God's mission, for what God has planned for us. Because again, when we're not focused on the things of this world, we're not so focused on the flesh, we're more able to clearly see what God is asking of us so we can embark on mission, just like Jesus embarked upon mission after 40 days of fasting. Now, don't forget how Satan desperately uh, attempted to tempt Jesus, to get him to break his fast right? Satan said, well, if you're the son of God, just turn these stones into bread. Satan does not want you to fast. Satan does not want you to fast. He definitely did not Jesus want Jesus to fast because Satan very well understands that when we detach from the flesh, and fasting is, is an example of that, we are preparing to enter into the spirit. And, the, and Satan is no match for the Holy Spirit. So what is Satan's game plan? He needs to keep you in the flesh. If we can choose to move away from the flesh, Satan's already been defeated. He's no match for the Holy Spirit, right? There's no contest between God and Satan, right? God has already defeated Satan. But Satan's game plan is to keep us attached to the flesh. Okay, so now the second thing, Jesus' words. To me, this is so interesting. And I, when I say... Uh, Christians have forgotten about this. I, I go to Matthew chapter 17. Um, now, if we quickly backtrack for just a second, Jesus had sent uh, his disciples out on mission. And when the disciples returned to him from going to all these surrounding smaller towns, they returned to Jesus basically amazed, like, Jesus, you're not going to believe it. We, we casted out demons. We healed and cured sick people in the name of God. It was amazing, right? They're just like filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit, how amazing things can be done in the name of Jesus, right? Now, later in Matthew 17, the disciples are really confused because they tried to cast a demon out of this young child, but they were unable to. So it's kind of a moment where they're like, you know, hold on, what happened? We were casting out demons and curing sick people in the name of Jesus, but now we're not able to. And then Jesus, because he's the son of God, you know, in the snap of the fingers, um, cures this, this child. But then the disciples are still, <laughs> they're not satisfied that the boy is healed, but they want to know, why, why couldn't we do what you did? And then in a very short but very profound explanation, he tells them um, it's because of their little faith that if they just had faith the size of a mustard seed, they can move mountains. And then the next line is very important because me and you, unfortunately, many times probably fall under the category, just like uh, the disciples of, of people who have little faith. Um, so it's like Jesus saying, okay, I'm acknowledging the fact that you may not have 
great faith. And so then he gives us, which is um, unlocking the spiritual truth. He says, yet only prayer and fasting can drive, drive out this kind of spirit. Now, there's probably a longer discussion on this, but to just keep it short, he says those two things are in combination only by prayer and fasting. So the combination of both heartfelt prayer and heartfelt fasting can drive out this kind of spirit, right? And we know from a spiritual sense, there's a hierarchy um, to the spiritual world. And so it's saying if we're hoping to, to move up so to speak, in this hierarchy of the spiritual world. Fasting is another tool that Jesus gives us. He's saying, yes, pray. Pray with your whole heart. Pray without ceasing. Okay, don't give up. But now he gives us another tool. He says, but in this case, only by prayer and fasting. So, so let's not lose this advice and this spiritual tool that Jesus has graciously granted us. Now, um, I'm going to quickly just quote from uh, James, the book of James, uh, chapter 5, um, because James makes a really interesting point when he's talking about uh, Elijah. And he brings up, he brings up Elijah um, in the context of his faith and him being a righteous person, right, righteous person. Now, if you don't know much about Elijah, you can read in the first book of Kings. And most of it is his stories, I want to say, contain chapters 15, 16, 17, 18, um, but in the first book of Kings. Okay, so now this is, I'm reading from James chapter 5. It says this, There will be healing if you confess your sins to one another and pray for each other. The prayer of the upright man has great power, provided he perseveres. The prayer of the upright man has great power, provided he perseveres. Now he gives an example. Elijah was a human being like ourselves, and when he prayed earnestly for it to not rain, no rain fell for three and a half years. Then he prayed again, and the sky yielded rain, and the earth produced its fruits. Now it's interesting that uh, James mentions Elijah because quickly think about the story of Elijah. Okay, God tells Elijah, go to the desert. And Elijah, Elijah's there for three years. Well, God's doing a lot of things here, but let's let's bring out two points, what God is doing for Elijah. Number one, okay, he's providing an environment of safety and protection because Elijah was about to be killed by King Ahab. So he's saying, go flee into the desert, and in there I'll provide a safe environment to protect you. So again, we see the Lord providing. But number two, he's actually also providing an environment that demands fasting, because Elijah couldn't farm or buy food or produce anything for himself. He simply had to rely upon the Lord. And so God sends ravens to bring Elijah food, and he's to drink from the, the flowing brook of water. So here Elijah is provided with bread and water. And so for three years, in essence, Elijah is fasting. Well, just like Jesus, just like Moses. What is this fasting doing? It is preparing him spiritually for mission because for three years, Elijah had to detach from the flesh. He's put in an environment 
where he's not around anybody, right? He's not sinning. He's in constant communication with God. And he's detaching himself from the flesh. So in the book of James, he's referred to uh, this great, righteous, and upright man. And the prayers of the upright have great power. And so we see it, that's demonstrated when Elijah prays to God. God sends down fire, and then Elijah prays again, and God sends down rain. Okay, God is capable of doing anybody for any any situation at any time. But it's important what James says here, the prayer of the upright man has great power. Think about this on a common sense level. You have someone in your life you love, they need prayers. Do you go to the person you think of as like the greatest sinner you know? Do you go to that person and say, hey, pray for this person or pray for me? Probably not, right? If you need prayers, you're probably going to go to the holiest or most devout person, the, so to speak, best Christian that you know. Hey, can you please pray for this person? Can you please pray for me? That's common sense. But the common sense is backed up here by the word of God. The prayer of the upright man has great power. That's why you hear people say, uh, St. Joseph, pray for me. Mother Mary, pray for me. Right? The prayer of the upright has great power. Just like in the book of Revelation, chapter 5, right? it says um, the saints are bringing up the prayers like incense to the throne of God. And it's the prayers of who? the prayers of the holy ones. So those who are upright in the eyes of God, their prayers have great power. And it is through fasting that we can start moving to a higher level of spirituality because we move closer to the Holy Spirit. Now I want to end with this, um, some practical things. Uh, so why why fasting on Wednesday and Friday? Uh, simply because that's what all Christians have done for 2,000 years. Um, and we should not lose that church practice. Um, and then why fast on bread and water? Um, you've seen in a couple of the examples. But also, just like Jesus said, he, he's the bread of life. And Jesus also gives the example of wheat um, in a symbolic sense. The wheat must die first before it produces and gives life so in that sense just like the the wheat falling to the earth our flesh must die first so our spirit can experience life with god um so in that i'm i'm really inviting you wednesdays and fridays to fast on bread and water. Now, everybody um, has their own walk with the Lord, and that's something um, you need to pray about. But I'm just, I'm very confident that if your heart is in the right place, you don't have anything to fear because the Lord will provide for you. Um, now, last point is this to understand how Satan will try and get you to not fast. Um, I'm going to give you two examples. Let's say you're an athlete. There's going to be the thought that pops in your mind. Well, I need to eat this type of diet or take this type of protein shake to put on this type of X amount of pounds, gain five pounds of muscle, let's say. Right? That seems like a logical you know, thought that no one would probably disagree with. 
okay? Therefore, I can't fast because I need to maintain this type of diet. Okay, number one, I just would want to ask you, do you really trust in the Lord? And then number two, in a practical sense, what would you rather have in your athletic season? Five more pounds of muscle or the grace of God upon you? Now, those two things don't have to uh be one or the other, but I think you understand the point I'm making. Uh, The second example, as a parent, this one, this is for sure the way Satan tries to attack me most when I fast. Okay, as a parent, um, the enemy will come to you and say, you're going to have headaches because you don't have your morning coffee, right? You're going to be lethargic. You're not going to have enough energy to give from your kids. You're going to be a bad mom or dad because you're fasting. Do not let that tactic of the enemy work on you. Now, I'll give you a quick example from last week. That was exactly the thought that came to my mind uh, on Wednesday. And I realized what the enemy was doing. Uh, so when I, before I went to bed Thursday night going into Friday for the fast, that was my prayer. Lord, do not let the enemy try and play fasting against me so that uh, he can convince me that I'm a, a going to be a worse parent. And that Friday, I had really no desire to break the fast, to eat breakfast or lunch, um, to have coffee. Uh, I was filled with energy. So again, the Holy Spirit is constantly providing. And again, it just goes back to, do you really trust in God? If the Lord said that when he was gone, his disciples would enter into fasting. And then he also encourages to enter into prayer and fasting. Do you trust Jesus? If the answer is yes, if you really trust Jesus, and if you want to detach from the flesh and enter deeper into the Spirit, into the Holy Spirit, then I really strongly, strongly invite you on Wednesdays and Fridays to fast on bread and water. And the beautiful part about this is, it's firsthand experience. You get to experience it, and then you get to see how your walk with the Lord changes. And experience usually tends to be the best teacher. So if, if you don't take my words from it, hopefully you take Jesus's. But if words are not compelling you right now, let experience be a great teacher. Um, and on Wednesdays and Fridays, enter into fasting so you can you can spend more time with the Lord, more time in prayer, and put your heart to the Spirit instead of the flesh. May God bless you.